That, that, that's the main subject item. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh my God, that's a conversation across the nation right now, right? Is staffing. Yeah. And, and so the first thing I do is I, I ask people, what's the problem right now with staffing? And everybody will just start throwing ideas out at 150 miles an hour, right? Of all the problems, of all the things that make it hard, of all why it's not possible. They'll, they'll boom, 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 and keep going and going and going with it. And and then I'll say, okay, I'll take a pause. And I'll go, okay, everybody catch your breath and everything. And so what are the solutions? And the room gets quiet. Crickets. And what happens is we're so often that we get into the problems, right? You got to fix it. You got the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The last organization I worked with was a $75 million organization. Within a year, they were in bankruptcy. And so when I, you know, I, I as part of the leadership team, helping them get back into, um, you know, back into profitability, I would sit in the meeting. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success a podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am again joined today by co-hosts Will Hill of Will Hill Consults. Will, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm concerned I'm making Rob nervous though by co-hosting so much. Is he okay? I just want to make sure he's all right. Uh, I, is he even around anymore? Look, what is he doing? He goes overseas in London and uh, he's getting a spot ticket. It's like in sports when someone gets hurt, like, and you fulfill a, a role, does he get his job back if you do so good? You asked Drew Bledsoe that question. <laughs> Are you Tom Brady? Is that you're saying you're Tom Brady, Will? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. I just said to ask him that question. Uh, I will ask him. All right. Well, I am always fascinated by human psychology, Will. And our guest today is a personal and professional development coach. Uh, he's here to talk about why we act, why we react and act habitually, why we make the choices we make and what causes us to either take action or sit on the sidelines. He's been featured uh, in Fox, NBC and CBS, along uh, with being named one of the top business coaches in America for two consecutive years uh, by the New York City Journal. He is the coach for entrepreneurs. So without further ado, let me welcome to the show, Joseph or Joey Joelhagen. Joey, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing oh, great. Wow. Oh, I'm wow. excited to be here with you guys. We're excited to have you. Uh, we <laughs> always start out, uh, Joey, and ask about the origin story. How did you uh, get to become a professional and, and personal development coach? I'll tell you guys, you know, I grew up in a low-income family outside of Detroit, Michigan, and, and my, my parents were blue-collar family and things like that, a lot of pride in that. And, and I was taught in growing up that, you know, some people are meant to work with their head and some people are meant to work with their hands, and I was meant to work with my hands. So I never really applied myself. And, and you know, even though I knew the financial struggle and everything was, was not right, I'd go to a friend's house and see something different in the energy and their parents and their finances. And so I'd go back home, and at nine years old, I thought, man, something's not right here. 
And as much as I knew that, I went into my early adult life carrying out that same conditioning, that same, the same exact things. No, I, I struggled financially regardless of my income. And at 22 years old, I had the gift of hearing a gentleman speak. His name was Jack Boland up in Detroit, Michigan. And I can't tell you guys what he said, but it changed my life. It lit this flame within my soul that I wanted to spend my life inspiring, motivating, and leading people to live better lives. But at the time, I had no idea how the heck to do it. And I was part of my conditioning was that a man gets a job, supports a family, and hopefully lives long enough to enjoy some retirement, right? I mean, so many of us have that conditioning. And so that's where I started out from. You probably ask yourself, what's tally for? Well, Tally 4 is a tax flow that empowers firms to automate the tax trial balance, saving them hours per return in three easy steps. Import, adjust, and file. Import. Tally 4 accepts data from all major accounting systems. Adjust. Your accounting and tax teams can collaborate to make all the necessary tax-based adjustments. And file. Once the tax trial balance is completed and approved, Tally 4 can send it to any leading tax product. Tallyforce import, adjust, and final process will help you reduce the time it takes to create a tax return from hours to just minutes. To learn more about using Tallyfor for your CPA firm, head over to tallyfor.com. That's T-A-L-L-Y-F-O-R.com. Now, where I grew from 22, I knew what I wanted to do, but I had that parallel conditioning of getting a job, and I ended up building a career in corporate America. I was the first child in my entire family to get a college education. I ended up with a career of up to a vice president of sales for organizations, helping companies that were either in or going into bankruptcy to get back into profitability on that other side. I've grown huge territories and, you know, developed entire sections of the United States and, and offshore as well. And in doing all of that, I've carried this passion to inspire, motivate, and lead people to live better lives. So as I did this parallel life together, which was uh, quite a struggle. I mean, it sounds like it's fascinating, but it was really strugglesome because each step up that corporate ladder brought on more pain for me, you know, because it seemed like it pulled me further away from the potential of what I wanted. And through life experiences, and I continued to learn and grow. And, you know, for a long time, I thought I could positive think my way into the life I wanted. And after years that struggled, you know, I set that down. And then, and then I came upon the subconscious mind, the total mindset is the conscious mind and subconscious mind. We can get into that if you want. But and when I learned that within a couple months, I created my company of IFGT life coaching and the IFGT stands for it's freaking go time. And that was the first <laughs> it's freaking coaching consulting organization I started. And within six months, I resigned from the last position. I helped get new ownership and get back into profitability. I resigned, moved down here to the mountains of South Carolina, and I've been building, growing, ever since. And now today, I'm so grateful for all those lessons I learned in those corporate years, because it helps me to help other organizations to grow quicker than what they're experiencing right now. So I got to, I got to jump in here, Joey, and just say that uh, I grew up outside of Flint, Michigan. So oh, yeah. very, very, uh, very close in proximity there. Um, when the water was still good? Uh, yes. Yes. That was not our concern when I was growing up. The water yes. was not at all the concern. Yes. Um, but talk a little bit about helping people identify some of those limiting things that go on in their minds, right? You, you had an, an outside spark to come on and come in and, and, and open up your eyes a little bit. 
what is it that keeps us from seeing those factors where we really could grow and excel, but we just, we don't allow ourselves to do so? How do people recognize that? That's, that's a great question too. Well, and, and, and honestly, so much of it is we're taught from, from schooling and institutions and stuff to be robots, mm-hmm. right? We're taught that if you do this and I do this, then we both get to move on in advance. And if somebody doesn't do this, they get held back and we're taught to do that. So it makes sense when we go into our career, we go into business, we start a business, we look for somebody that's achieved success and we try to find out the ABCs of what they did and then replicate that. I love Grant Cordone. I, I, I love his level of success yeah. and everything else. And he, he's a hero in my life, like as far as building businesses and, ch- and such. And he's gone out and other people have gone to him and say, I want, to, I want to achieve what you've achieved. And he tells them what he did. But do you know the level, the percentage of people that achieve the same results he has? Less than 1%. And the reason being is because we're, we're through that robotic method, what we're doing is we're putting aside our own pathway to success and we're trying to follow somebody else's and it will never get us the same results. So when you take that into account, when you take into account that, you know, we get stuck in our conditioning and our subconscious with taking common actions, right? Um, 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 like habits of behavior, you know, paradigms, patterns, things like that. And we get to living through those things. And then you got this robotic thing behind it. All of a sudden we're taking common actions and we're expecting different results. The only way to achieve something different, the only way to achieve uncommon results is by taking uncommon actions. But what happens in the process of all this, and we can talk about it all day, but there's a conscious mind and that's all the knowing. And then all the doing is in the subconscious. And the subconscious is really what triggers the brain cells to get the actions that the body takes. And within the subconscious, it absorbs whatever the conscious mind's focused on. But then it has like what I call a motherboard that holds every experience we've ever had, the conditioning we've experienced, the things we've been told, all of that. And it just plays it over and over. So that's why it has such a strong pull. Even when we try to step outside that conditioning, it pulls us back in. Where I specialize is helping people to identify a dynamic vision. And this goes for individuals, organizations, and corporations. Once we develop that dynamic vision, then stepping into it and opening it up more, as we become aware of the subconscious conditioning, it it creates more excitement to shift it because it opens up more of that vision coming into our life. So Rory, let's have a side conversation. (laughs) So we, we talked we talk in this profession with tax and accounting firms about one of the biggest skill gaps is critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And so as Joey was talking about that robotic behavior, right, that comes to mind, that production mentality that's sitting in firms that stops them from saying, how do we better and more broadly service the client, introduce other services, come in with new advisory services, retrain our relationships with them. And you know, we, we've talked a lot in this profession about how do we improve the critical thinking of the team that is there at the firm. And it sounds like this is a component of that and possibly a contributing factor for a lot of folks that are operating within there. What do you think, Rory? I, I totally agree. And that's what I want to hear from Joey is, you know, how much of this is deprogramming? So what do you do in regards to deprogramming? Can you give us some, some uh, the steps that you take when you're working with people? And then what do you do as far as that reprogramming to get them to start believing that they can do uh, critical thinking and stuff that they're not used to doing? 
Yeah, like like right now I'm getting ready to step in and start working with a kind of a mid-level organization down here in South Carolina. And the whole thing is around staffing. That, that That's the main subject mm-hmm. item. And I mean, oh my God, that's a conversation across the nation right now, right? Is staffing. Yeah. And, and so the first thing I do is I, I ask people, what's the problem right now with staffing? And everybody will just start throwing ideas out at 150 miles an hour, right? Of all the problems, of all the things that make it hard, of all why it's not possible. They'll, they'll boom, 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 and keep going and going and going with it. And, and then I'll say, okay, I'll take a pause. And I'll go, okay, everybody catch your breath and everything. And so what are the solutions? And the room gets quiet. Crickets. And what happens is we're so often that we get into the problems, right? You got to fix it. You got the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The last organization I worked with was a $75 million organization. Within a year, they were in bankruptcy. And so when I, you know, I, I as part of the leadership team, helping them get back into, um, you know, back into profitability, I would sit in the meetings and, and, Every day we had five days a week, we had a leadership meeting and everybody all, it was just one big complaint session of all the things going wrong and they're building and building and building. So I said, listen, what, I already knew these tools. So I said, what if we start talking about what's going well? What if we just take five minutes and talk about what's going well? And for over a week, they're oh, Mr. Over-Optimistic and this and that and everything else. But I just kept it up and I kept bringing that in. And honestly, for me, I kept going, I, I I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm speaking to deaf ears here, you know, and, but at one point, this one guy, he worked in a small finishing area. I was in a foundry. He works in a small parts finishing area. And he goes, okay, we had a problem with this. We had over a 50% scrap rate and, and we did this and this and this three items that we did. And it brought it down into the like teens, the scrap rate just by doing that. And all of a sudden the guy on the other side of the room goes, wait, wait, wait. And he was in charge of the large finishing area. And he goes, wait, what's the problem? He told him, he goes, I got that same problem. And he goes, what'd you do? So he told him within three days, our total scrap rate from 50 some percent went down to below 10% plant wide. Now, all of a sudden people started paying attention. They didn't want to admit it in the meeting, but they would come in my office one by one and close the door and sit and talk to me about that. But I knew it was building. Do you know within six months of there, when we started looking at what's going well, when we started looking at what we want as a vision, what we want from this, we had an owner come in, a new ownership come in and dump $12 million in the facility and overnight take us from working three days a month to five-day operations. So the first thing I would say in, in shifting it is look at where we're putting our attention. If we're putting our attention on the problem and it's so easy to do because we've been conditioned to do that, you're missing the whole other side of what, what's possible. You're missing finding the solution because it's got to come through all that muck and mud that you've created in diving into the, you know, in, in diving into the problem. And that's exactly what I'm doing with these people is I'm getting them to realign, to quit focusing on, we know the problems with staffing, but what happens when we get into that situation, you start having these companies that are going, okay, we'll pay you every day. What kind of workforce are you going to attract by paying every day? Not the same people that you're going to attract when you put a vision in place and you put substantial purpose and start making those employees, you know, a a bigger part of your organization. When you start doing that, you start attracting a different mix and it works the same way in any area. I'm just using that as an example. Does that make sense? So I I like this, this concept of asking different questions. And so, 
you know, Joey, when you're talking through that staff example at the foundry, what came to my mind was accounting firms perception of their clients. You in the audience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the, the clients that get talked about in the firm are the ones that don't listen, the ones that don't do it right, the ones that always procrastinate when they get their, their stuff in. Squeaky wheel. They're, yeah. And the ones that whenever the phone rings, you go, oh, as long as it's not one of these and you list off like 80% of your clients, then I'll be happy to answer the phone. And what a, what a shift it could be for firms to start talking with each other about, hey, what is it that our clients are doing well? And, and I've, I've proposed to some firms, and I've said this some webinar somewhere, you know how it is, Joey, <laughs> forget where it was. But we talked a little bit about if you look at any kind of celebration that happens inside of an accounting firm, firms that claim to be client-centric, every single celebration is self-centric. They celebrate the end of tax season when they get a bunch of return dones, done. They celebrate a variety of other things, but all of it is internal. And what would happen if you were to track client goals and celebrate as a firm as your clients hit their goals? What might that do to your level of client service? Your, my firm owners that say, I can't get my staff to recognize opportunity where we could better serve current clients because all they think about is the work. Well, what if we haven't asked the right questions and got them to focus on what the impact could be for that client if we did more for them? Absolutely, man. That was beautifully said, Will, too. And, and when we start looking at the questions we're asking and we start opening up, which, again, is all part of the conditioning. So as we shift it, we naturally start opening up to asking different questions. And it's not like we have to go to a webinar or read a book or something to get those questions. They're already in, they're already available to us, but they get covered over by that conditioning. So in essence, ultimately, through the things we've talked about so far, is I help what I do is I help organizations to clear the pathway of the corporate conditioning, the cultural conditioning, the individual conditioning, so that they can start coming out of, with more of a powerhouse, you know, from a powerhouse place in what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, that, that, that's a perfect way to explain that, Will. Yeah. And my, and my question is that there's been profession, the profession's conditioning of what you're supposed to do as far as uh, compliance work and tax and accounting work is those firms that took on, let's say, cloud, cloud accounting, you know, a decade ago that had been most pros, prosperous, uh, Joey, and Will knows this. Uh, so, I, you know, we have a program here. We're teaching uh, accounting firms uh, how to adopt more holistic advice, partnering with a wealth manager or adopting wealth management services themselves to provide more future-facing advice. You know, a lot of times we're working with that mindset shift because they're so used to be tra trained within the profession to do that compliance work, to do the tax return, to do the accounting work. And it's hard for them to shift to more of that future-facing mindset uh, to provide the, the more holistic advice to their clients. Yeah, that, that's, that's beautiful. And really everything, if you think about it, if you really build up everything, breaks down to the mindset. You know, when we yeah. talk about leadership, we talk about business growth, we talk about any area that you want to talk about, it, it goes back to mindset. If the people leading an organization are filled with conditioning of, of certain ways of doing things, and we see that a lot, you know, where you, this is what you do. If this happens, you do this. If this happens, and there's no creativity or outside the box thinking with it and such, and you don't bring it back to mindset, you're just going to keep duplicating the same thing over and over that causes struggle. And then more struggle begets more struggle. And you just continue. And I've seen 
successful organizations go down the tubes based on following processes like that, all based on the executive leadership team's conditioning on how you run a business playing out. So they didn't employ their, their you know, the other managers, their middle-level managers and things like that. And the people across the organization, and like you said, Will, very well said too, is their customer base to help them understand those questions and help them grow with that unisip, uni, unison and, and you know, um, building stronger relationships with those people. Talk for a moment, Joey, about we know that the leader's mindset is important. And let's say that Rory is leading an organization and he recognizes his conditioning. He goes, I got to fix this. What's your thought on fixing it first before approaching with the organization, fixing it in parallel with the organization, or perhaps him going, this is going to take me a while. I'm going to go move overseas be recluse for a while, fix myself. I want to bring somebody else in to fix everybody else separate from me. Talk to me a, a little bit about and, those three choices. And I haven't had the over the seas thing happen yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have had where like, you know, because the way I see this, every single thing I do, business, personal, whatever it is, it's all about transformation. It's all about personal transformation. We have to go through everything you were talking about, Rory, with what you're doing in your program and stuff like that. It's about personal transformation. So, you know, I'll work with sales teams and I'll work with the entire team, but I also work with them one-on-one. -on -one. I work with executives the same way. I'll work with them, you know, as the executive team, but I'll work with them one-on-one -on -one as well. And the reason being, and this is one of the things I love about what I do that for a long time, I, I, I didn't know is things like the law of attraction, the secret, like any things like that personal transformation, it's it's so often taught as a one size fit all, right? You go to a workshop, everybody hears the same thing, you pay your money and, and then you walk away and you all have the same tools to, you know, to, to um, ap apply to it. But what happens is they're unique to each one of us. We all have unique conditioning. I had four siblings raised in the same house by the same two parents and we all five have different conditioning from each other. So it's the application of those principles. It's the application of your program is, and I'm sure you've noticed is different from individual to individual. I've had CEOs of companies that have hired me to coach them because they didn't want to bring in a coach to their team. So they wanted to get coached and then take the coaching to their team. And throughout the process of me coaching them, their entire team started picking up their production and increasing what they were doing and back into growth mode and everything else. And he not once talked to his team. When we go through a transformation, especially from a leadership executive style like that, that, that everything in our world goes along with that. So are the people on our team, the people working for us, uh, you know, employees, all the customers, all of that start shifting in unison with that. And that's the cool thing about this is as one person transforms, their entire world and everything around it has to transform as well. And I've seen people who have had terrible customer bases based on all their problems and everything else. And through the process, through the shifting of, of everybody's out to get me into like, where's their beneficial purpose between me and this person become best friends with their client base and, and, you know, build those relationships stronger just based on their own perception. And I think a lot of times we, we look at the mindset that we have and because it's not tangible, we devalue where it comes through. And yet a change in mindset has one of the most tangible results 
that you can see despite the mindset itself being intangible. And so I think there's, there's an interesting uh, nuance, I guess, with uh, a mindset and its tangibility. Absolutely. And another conditioning that, that so many of us are through is, you know, if you want something, if you want to have a business, if you want to be high level in the business, you got to take massive actions and you got to be willing to trade off your life. And you got to, and all that does is burns people out so quickly. And you look at the United States compared to other countries, and it's very, very evident of that. And growing up and starting my career up in Flint, Michigan at General Motors at CLCD at the time, is I've seen that happen over and over throughout my career. And, you know, with people getting burned out and, and, and it's, it's, it's a conditioned Nobody wants to work like that. Nobody yeah. starts a business so they can trade off their life for it. And there's ways of going about it that start bringing about business and start opening up avenues and growth and all of that stuff with excitement, but also with the time and money freedom to enjoy why you're creating what you're creating. And once I help people get over that conditioning, man, I'll tell you, I become their, their, their best friend. <laughs> and I saw that on your site, you said there's like three main forces that are preventing people from, you know, changing their lives. What are those three main forces that, you know, you talk about on your site, Joy? Yeah, the, the, the three forces that stop most people. First off, it's, it's the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's when we start diving into the problems and things like that. It's when we start looking at the, the other part of it is that in, in the common actions I talked about, right? To get uncommon results, you have to take uncommon actions, which means you have to do things different. differently. Now, the, the, the one thing that towers over all these, which I'll say is a third, is, is, is what I call a beginner mindset. Every CEO or, or kick butt salesperson that I work with or anything else, I talk to them because so often it's, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But that doesn't ever gain us any ground. Yeah. It's when we start shifting that to look at to where I know what I know, but how can this add value to my existing knowledge base? is when we start becoming open and start absorbing like a sponge new information. As we do that, we can start shifting our life. And that's why I can help clients. What took me years to learn and understand, clients can now implement within a week period. Wow. Reminds me of a, a saying that one of my old bosses used to say, and it, it at first it was strange to me and now I, I use it. But it, when whenever... I would ask a question or someone would say something to her. Her response was simply, tell me more. And it just really showed that open mindset that, hey, I may be here as a supervisor and I've got to have solutions, but I want to make sure that I understand the context and the totality of what's going on. I think it really reflected a proper kind of mindset for attacking all sorts of issues. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and when we start, when we start putting this stuff into play, it really does allow us to grow into experiencing more and more of our vision in our everyday life. And at the same time to put in less effort. So I've helped organizations go from a 1.5, they want to get to 7 million, they're at five right now within two year period, time period, and enjoy life more doing it. Where the three years prior to that, they busted their hump and added $300,000 to their bottom line. Mm. That mindset that which you talked about, Rory, is, is so key to experiencing life the way we want to experience it, to growing the business, to having the customer relationships, to, you know, the staffing, all of that. So 
So is that foundation something that you start out with, Joey? The, the fix versus growth mindset, Carol Dweck's book comes to mind, obviously, of getting people to believe that they, they have the ability to have a growth mindset instead of being fixed and, and not being able to change uh, uh, what they can do. I think I, I grew into it through learning it for myself. You know, when I say I grew up like a mediocre kid, I never thought being like here talking to you guys about this stuff, that's, you know, things like that. I never thought I'd, I'd build a career near as high as I did in corporate America. I never thought I would achieve the things I did. And the pain of that is really what pushed me into taking a step and taking a step. You know, when you first went to that impromptu class, there was probably some fear attached to that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Think about revamping your now entire life and resigning from corporate America and doing all this stuff and everything. There was a lot of fear in that. But at each one of those, it gave me the opportunity to grow more because to get over, to get through our fears, we have to grow. Mm -hmm. So through that growth period is where it's brought me to today. So what would your response be, Joey, to someone who said, hey, that all sounds good, but I'm really risk averse. I don't like taking that kind of a risk. You probably ask yourself, what's Tally 4? Well, Tally 4 is a tax flow that empowers firms to automate the tax trial balance, saving them hours per return in three easy steps. Import, adjust, and file. Import. Tally 4 accepts data from all major accounting systems. Adjust. Your accounting and tax teams can collaborate to make all the necessary tax-based adjustments. And file. Once the tax trial balance is completed and approved, Tally4 can send it to any leading tax product. Tally4's import, adjust, and file process will help you reduce the time it takes to create a tax return from hours to just minutes. To learn more about using Tally4 for your CPA firm, head over to tally4.com. That's T-A-L-L-Y-F-O-R.com. Yeah. So what's, what's more risky? When you talk about risk, what's riskier to live your life and drive your organization and, and, and all of that to be mediocre and, and live a mediocre existence or really expanding to become more powerful in what you do? So it's really taking that mindset shift. If you're feeling that fear, and if you're listening right now in that stomach, when you, you're getting something that you're scared of, and you really have that fear, you can feel it in your gut. Is it re just reframing that simple fact of you being able to reframe it, say, well, if I don't do this, I'm living a life of fear or not being able to grow. Is that really the, the key shift? But when you feel that in your stomach, it's to go up there and think about, you know, how do you want to live a life moving forward? It's, it's a part of it. Yeah. And, and that fear is real. It's not, it's not make believe or it's not, you know, in your mind or something. It's, it's a real fear. Yeah. But the fear is based on our past experiences. It's based on our conditioning. It's based on what we've been told. It's based on it, it's based on the subconscious, the conditioning, which is all in the subconscious. So what you have to do is you have to go after it and, and become aware. So like somebody like when I took that last corporation, you know, when I helped take that last corporation back into profitability from from bankruptcy, there was a lot of fear in those people even to stop talking about what the problems were. Because we're conditioned, you know, especially, you know, men especially are conditioned to fix it. If there's a problem, you got to fix it and you got to learn how or know how or things like that. So it's like the squeaky wheel gets a grease. It's so conditioned. And here's what it is, you guys. Ultimately, it's our brain waves. You know, I use the analogy of taking, you know, being from Michigan, of taking one of those old rail sleds down a fresh snowy hill. 
and you go down it once and it leaves tracks and then you go up and you go down it again and again and again and eventually the, the sled will bottom out but you've created ruts in there now if you go up the hill and you try to go down another way it's going to pull you back it's going to pull you back into the ruts and that's exactly how our brain waves work when we're conditioned with something and we do it over and over and over it builds into our brain waves so crossing over that is fearful and it's doing something different because we don't know the results of it you know but but with enough time you create new tracks and you're literally rewiring your brain and this is not philosophy this is physics where we place our attention is where we're placing our intention i'm going to have to go back though to where you said men like to solve problems and my just admit that my brain went to vanilla ice lyrics at the moment. So <laughs> that's just what happened. Um, song lyrics are a little bit of a conditioning for me. My mind just goes there, uh, but I've recognized it and we'll see if we can grow past it. So. All right. Well, can you repeat that one more time, Joey? Cause I think that's powerful is where you put your attention is where you placing your intention, placing intention. Yes. Repeat that one more time. So, yeah. So where you place your attention is yes. where you're placing your intention. So in other words, if you're coming from a point of your problems, you're growing your problem. When you look at the staffing situation across the United States, it's, it's it become such a big problem. And what's happening is people are reacting to the problem. So they're offering the, we'll pay you every day. They're offering this. They're, they're not you know, getting the strategies to overcome it. They're figuring out how to live within the problem. When you take a moment and you focus on what it is that you truly desire for your business, for your life, for, you know, all the different areas and stuff, now you have a new place to go to with your thinking. So instead of the problem pulling you into it and being stuck in the muck of it, of your current situations and circumstances, you have a vision that can pull you out of that and pull you in another direction and lead you, I should yeah. say, in another direction. And Will, I mean, that has me thinking about people who, you know, during tax season, they're burnt out and they are dealing with problem clients and, and that's where their uh, attention goes to. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, pulling yourself out of that situation to find maybe another way uh, to provide uh, other services or transform your business to uh, have a healthier work-life balance. Even even just something as simple as the tax debt, like, like my, my good friend, Paul Miller likes to say, April 15th is just an arbitrary deadline. It doesn't actually matter. Um, and, and yet we've conditioned ourselves to orient everything around it when it actually isn't necessary, or there's different ways that we can engage the client relationships to where that is deprioritized and devalued by the customer uh, to where it should be. I shouldn't say devalued. I should say properly valued by the customer um, in, in its rightful place. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, All right. If you look at that, like with what you guys are talking about, so you have an accounting company, right? And they want to build it with clients and they want to get income coming in and they want to build a team and they want to do all this stuff. And then they start building and all of a sudden they put themselves in exhaustion and don't even like what they're doing anymore. And so it's like, we're going back and forth on waffling. I want this, but then once it gets to be this, then I'm going to have all kinds of problems and exhaustion and everything else with it and stuff. So now it's almost not even worth it. Rory, it sounds like he's talked to a couple of accounting firms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so even if we get what we want, then we start complaining, you know, then that becomes our problem. Getting what we want becomes our problem. Think about how backwards wow. that is. 
I'll tell you guys, I have a lot of events that are coming up over the next few weeks and things like that, that have been coming about and stuff. And I'm really excited about them. But I know me, I know that I'll start living from my logical mind, I'll start working 10, 12 hours a day, and I'll burn myself out and I'll do things like that. So what I did instead is the week of June 20th, I took the I'm taking the whole week off. And I've set it up to go I'm, I'm getting certified for hang gliding. And I'm going to spend the whole <laughs> week going through training for my hang gliding. And I know that that's the most productive way to spend my time in that week, mm -hmm. because that's going to just gear me up and drive me to do even better at the events as they happen after that but so it's like what, backwards from yeah. what logical tell us logical. but i mean do you but for those weeks leading up to the hang gliding are you you know spending a lot more hours here preparing for uh the presentation uh i mean so are you stressing yourself out there or no. or no no no, when we get done here, it's it's five o'clock local time. When we get done here, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. I'm going to go home and have a healthy dinner. And then there's a meeting I go to every Tuesday night. I'm going to go hit the meeting. And I'll tell you, I love this day. I enjoyed this day. I did. I accomplished a lot. See, that's the other thing. There's so much stuff being taught. And I'll be quick, but there's so much stuff being taught about like, you know, and, and I don't hinder any of it because it works for a lot of people, but like the 5 a.m. club. Right. And there's this whole yeah. book and all this movement and everything on and stuff. And it's great for the people it connects to. But a lot of the clients I work with try to push themselves into being a 5 a.m. person. And they'll contort their life and their well-being and their happiness and everything else because they want to fit into that mold. And so when I was talking to a client who was bragging about it, and he goes, you know, I get up at five and I go to the gym and I da, 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 and by nine o'clock, I've accomplished more than most people accomplish all day. And I go, that's great. I get up 6.30, sometimes 7, and I move into my day. I get coffee, and, and I accomplish everything I need to accomplish every day. You know, two weeks later in his coaching call, we got in there, and I go, hey, how's everything going? He's going, you know what? I can't do this 5 a.m. thing. It's killing me. And I'll go, yeah, because it's not you. So what is you? And that's part of the thing when I help clients and corporations do is develop systems of accelerating habits. Your systems that are going to work for your life are not going to work for mine. They, what works for your organization is not going to work for mine. So instead of trying to piggyback off somebody else, develop your own systems based on you and your company and your team, and then let that grow from there. Because that's how people start living in more balance and enjoying more and producing more. You there, Will? I'm here. I'm uh, nodding. I'm, listening. Uh, I'm thinking about how Joey's going to fly through his next few presentations and his entrance is going to be amazing. Uh, when he hang he's glides hang into it. Yeah. Just slide in. Boy, that would be awesome. You know what? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I mean, uh, the next, the next big event I have, uh, uh, well, I think I'm going to do hang gliding the week before. <laughs> it sounds bungee jumping, hang gliding, uh, something to get the blood flowing. Are you serious or no? You just make no. I know I will. I, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got my pilot. I have my pilot's license, and I thought that was my passion. But you know, you're enclosed in there, and you got the engine going and yeah. everything. And man, hang gliding, you just like it's it's just so awesome to just sail like that. Yeah, I did some whitewater rafting the other day. That was fun. I think you I'll stick. Well. <laughs> I'll stick on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and find some fun there. I got gotcha. you. So. I love it. I love it. Well, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. You know, great wisdom and insight here. If somebody in our audience wants to get in touch with you, what's the, what's the best way to do so? Absolutely. Anybody can reach out to me at coachwithjoseph.com. And you can schedule a block of my time. We can jump on the phone, have a conversation, talk about these things or talk about what's going on and, and get you some tools to start moving beyond that, or at least understanding and having more awareness to where you're at right now and what's causing it for you.
I love it. Subconscious mind trading. It, I just, Obi-Wan Kenobi's out now. It just reminds me of the force. <laughs> so that's what I thought of when I, when I saw your website there, he's using yeah. the force with people. <laughs> Are you a Jedi, Joey? <laughs> Uh, a little bit, but it's helping them apply the force is really what it's doing, Rory. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Will, thank you again for co-hosting. Pleasure to be here. All right. Thanks, Joey. Until next time. Thanks, Joey. Thank you. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.